You know, there's some friends that you have in life that when you make them, you know kind of right off the bat that they're going to go the distance. You know, those friends that you have maybe in high school or college you picked up in work or something like that, that as soon as you get back with them, it doesn't matter the years, it doesn't matter the, the miles that you've been separated, that you just simply pick right back up where you left off. Well, if there's two friends on the planet Earth that I, that Lori and I could point to and say that that is true of them, it's Darren and Shauna Davis. And they, we actually uh, began our pilgrimage together uh, when we both went to Zambia together. But prior to that, we were appointed together. We went through training together. We went on the same plane together. We lived side by side for, and they still loved us, and we still love them. And we were, it was just a great relationship that's gone through the years. Well, Darren and we have come back here and obviously started Grace Point, but Darren and Sean and their family have remained in Africa. They've moved. They've, they've continued to serve. They continue to do a lot of great things. And I've asked them to come on our Global Focus Day and help to, to broaden our horizons. I really wish, and it would be really hard to make this as a, as a point, but I really wish that we could make as a covenant member that every member of Grace Point Church would have to travel internationally. I wish that everybody graduating from a high school would have to travel internationally. If for no other reason, just to open their eyes that the life is so much bigger than, than McDonald's and the latest uh, clothes at the mall or whatever. But uh, to be able to travel and to be a part of what God's doing around the world is it's just a beautiful thing. And I just, so our prayer today is that God would open our eyes. And, and we're going to watch a short video clip, and then I want you to give uh, Darren and Shauna just a great big Northwest Arkansas welcome as they come to share with us. But watch this clip before they come. It's easy to miss things that are right in front of our face. It's easy to miss things that are right there in front of us. And uh, this morning, Sean and I want to just share with you and communicate to you uh, all of our heart's desire to see what God sees, to see the nations, to see our neighbors through the eyes of God. As Mike shared, we served in Zambia for a number of years. And, you know, there were just certain, certain things, certain people that you just could not miss. One of my favorite people was this man, and we called him Mota. Now, Mota is motor vehicle or, or car is what they would call that in Lozi language. They didn't have a word for it. So they just said, oh, it's Mota. Well, this guy that I want to tell you about, he literally believed... He was a vehicle. And so we would be driving down the road there in the western province of Zambia, and next to us, running beside the vehicle, was Mota. And you would have your window down, and he would be making the vehicle noises as he ran along beside your vehicle. You couldn't miss him. He was there. And then there was another friend of ours that we called Quacha Man. Now, this guy was six foot six. He was probably 250, 275 pounds. And kwacha is the, the money that we would use in Zambia. Instead of the dollar, we used a thing called the kwacha. And if we were sitting somewhere with the window rolled down, he would walk by and throw kwacha in our lap. And you'd see this money lay in your lap, and you're like, what's going on? And you would look up. You couldn't miss this six foot six, 255-pound man looking down at you with this silly grin on your face. Some things you just can't miss. One of our family's favorite things to do in Africa is look at the animals. And the best way to do that is camping. One, good budget. And two, you can take a big group of people and enjoy it. 
Well, this last December, we were able to go to the Kalahari and camp in December, and it was great. It was beautiful sunsets, beautiful sunrises, great animals. And I'm emphasizing the sunset and the sunrises because in December in the Kalahari, it's summer. And it was hot. And there's not a lot of trees. So just picture about 15 of us missionaries crowded under the shade of one little thorn tree. Okay, I've got wet rags around my neck. We're, there's nothing cold to drink because we could, you know, there was no refrigeration. It was hot. Well, my husband, who is a very kind-hearted man, on the second day of watching us suffer through that midday heat, he said, Shauna, why don't you and the ladies get in the truck and go on a game drive? What he was saying was get in the air conditioning. I was all about that. So anyway, so all the ladies, my daughters, we piled into our four-wheel drive truck, and we took off through the sand. And we, we did. We went to the water hole. It's not the middle of the day. is not the great time to see the animals, but we did see a few there. But I started driving around through the bush just looking for a little more, but was not very optimistic. Well, as I'm driving slowly through the sand and scanning left and right, all of a sudden I feel the journeyman behind me, her hand come up on my shoulder and squeeze. And I saw her finger go. And I stopped and I looked at a male lion at my window that I had not seen at all. I told everyone, let's not roll the windows down. <laughs> Anyways, Quachaman Mota, easy to see. The lion outside my window, I could have missed it. You know, Jesus was a master at seeing the unseen, at seeing the hearts of people, seeing the needs that people had. And it reminds me of that time when Jesus was walking down the road and and uh, Zacchaeus was up in that tree. He didn't just see some short man stand up in a tree, but he saw a man who had a spiritual need. He saw someone who had a need that could not really be seen with the naked eye. But also in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, it says, he was going about all throughout the area. It says he was teaching and he was going to the cities and he was going to the villages. He was going into the synagogues and he was teaching. And it says... That Jesus seeing the multitude, Jesus seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know, Jesus was a master at seeing the needs that were there, at seeing the needs that we that that we can't necessarily see with the naked eye, you know. Jesus saw those needs, and he began to seek ways of meeting those needs. I think our prayer is probably very similar, whether we're in northwest Arkansas or whether we're in southern Africa. Our desire is to meet the needs of the people that we come into contact with. Our neighbors, we want to meet the needs. The nations, we want to meet the needs. We want to be able to reach out. And touch people and see them the way God sees them. One of the one of the people that we work with is Dennis and Jody Jans, and they are in a involved in a ministry and involved in, in reaching out and touching people's lives in some really interesting and great, fantastic ways. Now I know you can see their picture. Dennis and Jody have five children, and they're serving among the, the Swana people but in South Africa. 
and Jody is homeschooling a number of those young men you see in that picture. But besides her homeschooling and cooking and all the other things that wives and mothers do, Jody is very intentional about going into Extension 39, and that is a government housing project in her town, and she leads a women's Bible study there. Each week she goes in and she shares Bible stories with these women. She gets to know them. She, she shares with them. And as they have become um, feeling, they've been feeling safe in, in the security of the cross and the gospel, they begin to open up to Jody. One woman in particular began to open up and share about the abusive home that she was living in, how her husband, drinking or not, he would beat her, he would abuse her, and how one day he even poured kerosene on her and set her on fire. It broke Jody's heart. You can only imagine the shock that filled the room when this man walked into the ladies' Bible study and he sat down among them. You could feel the fear that the women, they knew who he was. Jody knew who he was. But Jody began to pray. Now, I don't know exactly what Jody was praying, but she was praying. And through that prayer, God began to change her eyes, change her heart. Jody got up from where she was sitting, and she went over to this man. And she began to share the love of God with him. He, you know, he was a broken man. He was a hurt man, and that's what he needed. As he listened to Jody share, he turned his life over to God, and he was changed. It was in early 2007 when we returned from our last stateside assignment. And uh, we returned to western province of Zambia. And we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what we would find. We had just started a church shortly before we went. We came back to the States. And so when we arrived back in Kalabo, we were wondering what's going to be left of that little church. Well, when we got there, we were pleasantly surprised to see a, uh, a man named Kawengu who was involved in leading that church. And he was involved in teaching the people of that church. And Kawengu came to me one Sunday uh, early on in our, our time back in Kalabo and he said, uh, Darren, I'd, I'd like you to help me go to my village about two hour, hour and a half walk from here and begin to teach the people of, of the village of Nkanga and begin to share the gospel with them. And so we began to walk week after week from my, my home to, to his home. And we would walk together and we would sit there in his village sharing the gospel with the people. And after a number of weeks and repeated uh, attempts of sharing the gospel, when the people in that village saw the needs of their heart and received Jesus Christ. Ministry in Kalabal, Zambia, was exciting. It was exciting. And God was not only moving among some of the men, but he was also moving among some of the women. You know, sometimes we have to do things that aren't always easy, but we know we need to do them. Well, I organized a women's conference among the three little bush churches there. And I was going to be asking these women to do things that weren't necessarily comfortable or easy for them to do, but I wanted them to do it. They rolled up their reed mats and put them on their head. They got all the greens from their garden and pounded up their corn for maize meal and brought all their food with them. The ladies hosting the church had built several reed uh, walls for us, one for sleeping in, one for uh, cooking in, one for our toilet, one for our shower, and that was our ladies' conference. 
But the real point of it was I wanted these women to be able to share their testimony of salvation, and I wanted them to be able to share the gospel using Bible stories from creation to Christ. And it wasn't a comfortable thing for them. But we practiced. I modeled it for them. They would tell it to each other. They would break into groups, and by the last day, they knew they were going to have to go out and practice it. Well, we went out, and as we walked into one village, we saw a little, frail old woman. And I call her Catherine because she sounded like Catherine Hepburn when she talked. And this woman was leaning on the pole of her hut, except there really wasn't a hut there anymore. It was just the poles with a thatched roof. And one of the ladies began sharing their testimony with her. When they finished, I started sharing the Bible stories with her. When I got to the prodigal son about how this son had run into his father's arms, I asked her, would she like to talk to God about what she was feeling in her heart? And she began to pray in that elderly, shaky voice, the sweetest words that we had heard. She prayed, God, I know you see me. You saw me when I was young, and I liked to drink beer too much. You saw that I had so many boyfriends, but you see me now, and I am old, and I have no husband, and I have no children, and I am all alone in this world, and I need you to save me. I need you now. I listened to the Zambian believers that were sitting around me as they wept hearing her prayer. When she finished praying, these Zambian believers, they got up. And this was not typical of their, of their culture. They went up and began embracing her. One of them took off their cloth wrap and wrapped it around her shoulders. And these women, these believers, were weeping because they had seen God's Word radically change Catherine's heart. The power of God's Word will change you. You know, ministry and life in rural Zambia was exciting. We did our ministry by a a boat that moved us from village to village. We worked on a, we used an all-terrain vehicle to get through deep sand and It was a man's paradise. I loved it. There were hippos, and I have stories of hippos uh, attacking canoes that I was close to, and snakes in my boat, and snakes in uh, in our yard, and and one time there was a snake in uh, the house as well. One evening, Shauna was walking from a bedroom past the toilet room, and then here's like you have like a closet with only a toilet in there, and in a small, almost whimpering, light voice, she heard Meredith going, Mommy, Mommy. And Shauna went, uh, Meredith, are you okay? Shauna, there's, I mean, Mom, there's a, there's a snake in here. Well, we were, Shauna was stunned, quiet, I didn't open careful. The door up. She didn't shout. She was... And she said, Meredith, can you stand up? (laughs) And Meredith said, yes. Can you get to the door? Yes. Okay, Meredith, quietly, slowly come out the door. And so Meredith walks out the door. They call me, and I come in, and, and, and I kill this snake. Life there was exciting. We enjoyed it. 
We really did enjoy it. But in September of 2007, the phone rang, and my boss called to ask me to take on a new assignment, to take on a new role, which would require us to move from our home of over 10 years, to move from rural to urban, from homeschool to uh, where the kids would have a, 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 a typical type of schooling situation, from uh, a place where there were no restaurants, no grocery stores, to where there was plenty of restaurants and grocery stores. This was a difficult decision, but the Lord made it clear to us that this is what he was leading us to do, and he was leading me to become a leader of a cluster of missionaries serving in southern Africa. Um, I know that you are a very intentionally global church, so you're going to know the areas I'm talking about. You remember West Africa, Central Africa, Eastern Africa, and Southern Africa. All that's now in IMB terms called Sub-Saharan Africa. And Sub-Saharan Africa is divided up into six clusters. Darren is leading one of those clusters. And this area is covering um, five countries, the total of Botswana, the total of Zimbabwe, and and all of Lesotho, and then the western part of Zambia, and the northwestern part of South Africa. So that's a big area. What Darren is doing as the um, cluster strategy leader is very simple. He's trying to help all the missionaries serving in these countries be very strategic as they plant churches among the lost and to encourage them. I get the opportunity to work with some fantastic people. Andy and Laura Pettigrew, they're young missionaries. They've only been on the field about a year, year and a half. And uh, Andy is uh, targeting the university students in Habaroni, Botswana, and actually in other parts of Botswana. Well, Andy received a phone call one day. And on the other end was this young man named Lebo. Now, Lebo had been seeking. He had been questioning. He had been trying to figure out what was the answer and what was was God trying to teach him and show him. And Andy met with Lebo, and he and Lebo sat over weeks. And Andy began to pour over the scriptures with Lebo. And after some time, Lebo turned away from his lifestyle and received Jesus Christ and entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Lebo was changed. He was baptized. And the last Sunday we were in Botswana, Lebo was up in leading the, the worship and sharing testimonies in church that Sunday. God saw his need, and he used Andy to impact his life. Part of my work is in the country of Zimbabwe. Now, if you've been watching the news, and I know it's not reported a whole lot here uh, in, uh, in, in the United States, but Zimbabwe is literally falling apart. When we, Mike, the McDaniels and us, we were, arrived in Zambia, Zimbabwe was the place to go. I mean, you went there to, to buy Cokes and Diet Cokes and things like that. You went there to go on holiday, to go on vacation. The Zim dollar was, it was 13 Zim dollars to one U.S. dollar. Today, they don't even have a currency. The currency literally has been thrown away in the rubbish heap. And they don't have any currency. This country is literally in political and economic chaos. That's what you and I see. But what God sees are opportunities. Quinn and Martha Morgan, they live in Bulawayo, uh, Zimbabwe. And Quinn is the uh, Baptist Publishing House director well, we, uh, IMB, along with Baptist Global Response, has been doing a number of relief 
efforts in and throughout Zimbabwe. And over the past year and a half, we've probably provided food to somewhere uh, about 20,000 families. Now, Quinn and Martha, they started taking these boxes of food to some, to some widows just about 20 miles away from Bulawayo. And they would take them out there and they would share the gospel with them and they would give them this food. And one day at the publishing house, it was a Saturday, three ladies showed up at the publishing house. And Quinn came out and said, well, can I help you? And they said, yeah, we've, we've come to say thank you. We've come to say thank you for helping us. And he goes, well, you're welcome. We're, we're very pleased. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. We want to work for you today so that you know we're thankful for what you've done to help us. Well, Quinn is a wise man, and so Quinn gave them an assignment. He put them to work, and they were able to express their appreciation to Quinn and Martha and, and Baptist Global Response and IMB for what we did to help them. You know, God sees opportunities, doesn't he? God sees hearts. He sees not merely the physical, but he sees what's going on inside of us. You know, this morning, we want you to see and you to know that we thank you for your prayers. We thank you for your giving. We thank you for the support you give to global missions. It really is a partnership, and we thank you for that. But also, we we want to say that, you know, we're not that different from you. We have a desire to see the needs, the real spiritual needs of people met. And when you get out of your car on your way home and your neighbor's down the road a little bit and you wave to him, ask God to show you his heart. Ask God to show you what he sees in that person. When you go to work tomorrow and you're sitting there next to a co-worker, just ask God in a quiet, still voice, God, show me his heart. Give me your eyes. When you look at the map and you go around the room and you look at the world, just ask, God, give me your eyes. God, help me to see. I want you to watch this on the screen that's going to be showing. And as you watch, pray, give me your eyes, Lord. That's all I want you to do. Thank you. 